TYB On The Run with your host, Katie Halday. This is your daily Bible blast, the perfect fit for your busy life. Just one chapter, one revelation. This will change your life. TYB on the run. Welcome to the book of Luke. I am super excited to be doing the book of Luke Acts with you. Yes, I said Luke Acts. They are supposed to be read together. So when you do the podcast of Luke, jump into Acts straight after them. I'm going to continue in these podcasts in Acts because they are two books, one volume. They're written to the same person. They have the same purpose um, and they're written by the same author. So it's great to read them together. So let's jump into Luke. Now, Luke is really, really long. The first chapter is really long. So I'm only going to be able to do part of this, but let's jump in. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zachariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord, he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well on in years. The angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When this time, when his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the, um, the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. 
The angel went to her and said, Greetings you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who has said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. I'm going to stop there, guys. I have to say, even reading this, I was starting to get really teary. (laughs) Because when you read the word of God, it doesn't, it's not something that is just a one-off. You can read this scripture over and over and over again, and it's like a diamond. Every time you look at it, you will get a different facet of God. You will get a different revelation. That's why we want you in your Bibles, because it's not like, oh, I've read Luke, I, I'm never going to read it again. No, every time I read it, this is probably the 60th time I've read this scripture because I teach this every year. And I feel like every time I get something fresh out of it. So let's have a look at it. It says, now Luke, Luke is, um, quick summary of Luke. Luke is, who's the author? It, he is the um, the uh, fellow of, uh, fellow mate or journey mate of Paul. And he is writing this story not from the account of actually being there because he wasn't there. He he wasn't a disciple. He's much later in the Acts account about Acts 16 where we say where Paul he starts to say we go here meaning Paul and Luke are together at that point. But in the Luke account he wasn't there. He wasn't a disciple. He probably never met Jesus. So how did this guy who is a slave, he's a doctor. Um, we know sometimes in Western culture we go, oh, he's rich, he's wealthy, he's a doctor. No, 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 he's, he's a slave. Uh, Lucius is probably his slave name. And we have this incredible account of Luke writing, which just makes me so excited when God takes slaves and uses them for his glory across the world. Even 2,000 years later, we are reading the account of Luke. And this is how he does it. He says, in one one, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. He's probably talking about Mark, Matthew, all the other Gospels other than John is, so Matthew and Mark are written at this stage and there were many other accounts that were written. So he's saying, look, Mark's done a Gospel and Matthew's done a, done a Gospel and, and they've, they've given an account of what happened. Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Can you hear that he's saying, I'm not an eyewitness. He's saying this has been handed down to those um, from those who were eyewitnesses. And he says, with this in mind, Since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, 
I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. So he says, I have decided I'm going to write an orderly account. What does that mean? Because Mark's account is kind of Peter's account of the life of Christ, and it's very action-packed. Matthew is all about um, kind of the teachings of, of Christ. And Luke's like, you know what? I'm actually going to put a systematic theology account together. I'm going to put an orderly account together. And I love this because I'm orderly. I'm an admin. I love order. So I kind of like this account. It's chronological. It's ordered. If you're going to look at what Jesus did and said at different times, you look at the account of Luke because it's an orderly account. And he says, most excellent Theophilus. Now, this is how we know that Luke Acts is supposed to be together because in Acts, he also says, most excellent Theophilus. He says, I I have in my former book, Theophilus. So we know that these two are supposed to be read together. What Luke does is firstly, the account of Jesus' life in Luke and what Jesus did and said. And then in Acts, he takes the the mission of um, Jesus. And then in Acts, he presents what the disciples did and said. And I love this. It says, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Can I say, TYB, this is what TYB is all about, that you know the certainty of what you have been taught. I don't want you to be hearsay Christians. And I I encounter a lot of hearsay Christians. What does that mean? They know the Bible from somebody else's preaching. Oh, yeah, you know, Stephen Furtick preached this and I know this. Oh, that is not the way you know your Bible and that is not the way you know Christ. Because if you know Christ via hearsay, somebody is telling me about Christ through my Sunday sermons or through my podcasts, then that is not what, what how you have a relationship with somebody. I cannot have a relationship with somebody from everybody else's opinion. <laughs> I have to have a personal relationship with that, with that person. And it's the same with Jesus. We have a personal relationship with him. We get to know him personally by reading the word personally. And that is what TYB is all about. Okay, let's jump in. In the time of Herod, king of Judea. Now, I know you want to brush over this, but I am not going to brush over this. The reason that Luke says in the time of Herod, king of Judea, he's dating the accounts by the Roman um provincial magistrates or governors of that time. That's very rare. So what he's saying is I'm going to I'm writing this account and I I know that the audience of this account is how he's dating it. I know the audience is gentile because he is dating it according to their rulers. If it was a Jewish account, this would be very offensive to date dated according to Herod. So he's writing to the gentiles and can I say TYB when you read Luke Sinners, Gentiles, um, forgiveness, repentance, this is the key of the the text of Luke. And we're going to do a trashing tips moment where I show you all of those things. But the key is targeting those who are outsiders, targeting those who are supposedly sinners, but sinners aren't, you know, people like we call sinners today. It's those who are outside the clique, outside the, um, those who are marginalized, meaning women, lepers, um, tax collectors, all those who are rejected by the church, that's who Luke is going to say. And he's going to show why the Gentiles are so important later on in Acts, but he's showing how Jesus targeted the Gentiles as well. Why? Because he's Paul's mate and Paul is all about the Gentiles. So let's keep going. I love this. There was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron, so we've got a Levitical um, lineage here. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees. That's 
that's amazing. To say that he was he was um, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Oh my gosh, I've read Leviticus. That is hard. He said, but they were childless because Elizabeth was un- not able to conceive and they were both very old. Can I give you a little bit of history moment here, guys? You've got to remember that we are in between Malachi and the New Testament. 400 years where God has not moved. 400 years where there's no prophet speaking. 400 years of what they call almost like a spiritual exile. They are outside their land and God is not talking to them for 400 years. What does that mean? Generation after generation after generation was born and died without hearing anything from God, which is really quite incredible. So when we jump into Luke, I want you to remember that because when we jump into Luke, he says, talks about Zechariah. This is one of the priestly people and he's working still so hard for God and he has observed all the Lord's commands. Even in this terrible time, he's still observing all the Lord's commands. And it says he, he's, and the decrees blamelessly. I love this. And then he says he was chosen. So once when, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God. So these are the guys that are going into the temple. These are the guys that are going in. He was chosen by lot, uh, casting lots, according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. I love that moment. Can I just say coincidences are God incidences because he wasn't chosen by, hey, I really feel the Spirit's telling me to go in. No, God used the casting of lots to get him in there. And I love this moment where God can use anything to get you to the appointed time. Don't feel like, oh my gosh, I have to I have to wait on God for 40 days before he's getting. No, he will do everything he can to get you into your encounter. And look, you know, poor Zachariah is walking into this moment, not realizing that it was it was a Holy Spirit moment. Um, I love this. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. This statement is amazing. That an angel, I would love an angel of the Lord to just appear to me. And this statement is so blase. It's like, yeah, after 400 years of silence, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. It's like Luke's recounting um, from, from the eyewitness of Zechariah and he's saying, look, you know, Zechariah just said, yeah, I was, I was cast by lots and then I got to go in and I, you know, and when the time for the burning of the incense came, an angel appeared standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Oh, my gosh. When Zachariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. This is how it has not happened for a long time. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Oh, it's so beautiful. Can I say that to you, TYB? And I'm going to get teary. Your prayer has been heard. Even if you feel like, Zachariah, that this 400 years of God not moving, if even if you feel like your whole life God has not moved, there is coming a moment where you are going to have an encounter and God is going to show you, one, that he is moving and, two, that he hears you. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. Oh, he will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. Now we've got to remember this is the same um, Samuel and Samson. It's a Nazarite vow. So he has to be a Nazarite, a very prophetic vow. This is. He's never to take wine. He will be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, even before he is born. Oh my goodness, that one statement, TYB, do not get used to the New Testament because that one statement means that God is back. 
for him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's been 400 years since somebody was anointed to do something. And now we have this prophet John arising and he is filled with the Holy Spirit. You can feel the expectation and you can understand the doubt in Zechariah. One, he's saying he's going to have a miracle unseen at this time. The second thing, he's going to be filled with this Holy Spirit unseen for 400 years. You can hear the doubt going in his this Levite's head. He's been in the temple for, for all his whole life, and this has never happened. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit of the power of Elijah oh, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedience to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John is going to be a prophet like Elijah. John is going to come and counter the, the um, you know, like Elijah take, takes on the, the kings of the day and Ahab and Jezebel. You've got all these incredible moments of Elijah and John's going to have that same spirit. He's going to take on Herod. He's not going to be thwarted in his, in his um, communication towards the the hierarchy. He's going to be quite strong, but he's going to be strong towards Israel too, and he's going to turn the hearts back. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and I again doubt. Can I say when you get your encounter, do not doubt. Even if it's you think it's impossible, even if you've waited an awful long time, do not let the wait cause you to doubt. When that encounter comes to you, stand strong and say, yes, I'm going to do this. And I love the response of <laughs> the angel is like, Dude, he doesn't say dude, but he's like, I'm Gabriel. Like I stand here and you can see me. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to, to speak to you and to tell you this news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. He's saying, dude, your doubt's not going to stop that this is going to happen, but I'm going to need to shut your mouth because this doubt could really impact the way you live out this this." Um, journey. I love the fact that he doesn't say your doubt stops the the appointed time. He's like, no, 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 it's going to happen, but you're going to make it incredibly hard for your wife Elizabeth. <laughs> and so I'm going to I'm going to give you a sign, and it's going to be that you're going to be mute. See, sometimes God's going to shut your mouth so that you can believe in what God's doing. Sometimes he's got to stop your human mouth from talking and say, look, I'm just going to keep that silent for now because that unbelief is so strong in your mouth and I'm just going to do what, what I'm going to do because despite you, and I love that he does what, he, what he's going to do, God does it despite Zachariah. Okay. And anyway, meanwhile, the poor people are outside going, where's Zach? He's been in there for an awful long time, probably wondering if he's died in the presence of God, which, you know, happened. When his time of service was completed, he returned home and Elizabeth is pregnant. Oh, my gosh. I love this moment where she says, in these days he's shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Those who were barren in those times were disgraced. Females were supposed to bear children, and if you couldn't bear children, then you bore the shame of disgrace. And God took away her disgrace. Okay, are you ready for Mary really quickly in three minutes in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So Elizabeth kind of takes herself away and then then we're given, we're presented with two miracles. The first miracle is Zachariah and the the miracle of, of John. And Zachariah responds to the angel in doubt and becomes mute. The second miracle, again, is presenting um, this, the angel then goes, Gabriel again goes to Mary. And the way Mary responds is the correct response. I love this. Um, God sent the angel to Gabriel, uh, Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Okay, two things there. She's engaged. Second thing, a descendant of David. Third thing, she's, she's a virgin. 
okay, virgin, you needed to be a virgin. It was very um, custom. You had to be a virgin and then you were um, given a fiancé and then you were married and um, and she's a descendant of David. This is the Messiah. We want that descendant of David moment because we want the Messiah has to come from the descendant of David. So that's saying, guys, this is him. The virgin name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was, again, like Zachariah, greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel, now you've got to remember, this is human. These these guys, the, Gabriel looks like a human. He's not fluffy winged and fat and cute and cupid-like. He's warrior-like. Um, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Sorry, I'm getting teary. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. He declares the Messiah to this young girl. He declares the Messiah to this, again like Zechariah, this girl who had not seen God move for 400 years. He declares the Messiah to her. She says, how would this be? I'm a virgin. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit. Can you feel the Holy Spirit in the beginning of Luke? The Holy Spirit comes on um, Zechariah. The Holy Spirit comes on Elizabeth. The Holy Spirit is throughout this text. Do not tell me that the Holy Spirit turns up in Acts 2 only. The Holy Spirit is throughout the book of Luke and Acts. Um, And he explains the Holy One will be called, born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, Um, is going to have a child and this statement, guys, and I want to leave this with you, for no word from God will ever fail. Her response is the best response when you have an encounter. I don't care if you've been waiting 400 years for your promise. I don't care if God hasn't moved around your life for a very long time. I don't care if all the circumstances are screaming that this is never going to happen. For no word from God will ever fail. That's for you, TYB, this morning. No word from God will ever fail. When the encounter comes, when the angel comes, when there's a moment telling you, I am about to do this, know that no word from God will ever fail. Zachariah's response was incorrect. Mary's response was right. And listen to it. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Guys, I know some of us have been waiting an awful long time for our promises, but the chapter one of Luke screams to us, do not be like Zachariah and doubt because God will need to keep you mute for a time. Be like Mary and say, may your word to me be fulfilled. I am the Lord's servant. I hope you've loved jumping into Luke and I cannot wait to continue in Luke with you.